from LPL Financial. Welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. I'm Ryan Dietrich here, and up in Boston is Jeff Bookbinder. Jeff, how's life up in Boston treating you? Treating me well, Ryan. Um, No complaints. How about yourself? Well, I wouldn't complain, but as we discussed, down here in the south, so we're just south of Charlotte, but Charlotte had some crazy weather on Wednesday. Oh, no, I guess it would have been Thursday and Friday. My kids' school, they let them out early on Thursday because of big potential tornadoes and high winds were coming, and they actually canceled school altogether on Friday. So, you know, there were uh, tragically some, some people passed away due to the high winds and storms, and it was just a really crazy environment. And then on Saturday, it snowed just for a minute. I mean, it was like, it snows here, and everybody freaks out and panics, but it snowed for a minute. So we had some interesting weather, but as of today, it's like supposed to be 64 degrees and should be should be calmer, but um, it was um, it was pretty scary there. I, let's see, I guess it's been Thursday night, so Friday morning at 4 in the morning. My house was shaking. I thought we were having a tornado. It was, it was crazy. I was scared. Got up, started looking around, but it, it, the, my phone did not say it was a tornado. But I've never had, I've been lived there four years now. I've never had my house shake like it did at four in the morning last Thursday. Um, luckily, it was in the morning, but still, it was it was scary. So anyway, we, we, we made wow. it, though, and uh, we'll keep going. Uh, be, that was be that. Be safe. Uh, yeah, that was, I mean, usually you would expect a Boston-Charlotte-based uh, call to talk about bad weather in Boston. So we've actually had really unseasonably warm weather here. Uh, it's one of the warmest and driest Januaries that we've had, so uh, maybe some of that bad weather luck has moved south. Yeah, now well, before we get to it, I want to point out the fact you are the biggest Chiefs fan, probably in all of LPL, or LPL research at least. Are you still living the dream, Jeff, after your first Super Bowl win in 50 years? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> so, the Chiefs kingdom is still celebrating and probably will for several more weeks. I guess there's another sport maybe kicking off in a month that's tried to get some headlines here, but it's all football season all the time for me and my uh, my friends back home in KC. Some of your friends went to the parade, I assume, your family, to make it to the big parade they had? Some of them did, yes. And, and they survived. Is, they survived. Uh, safe and accounted mm-hmm. for. Excellent. But, uh, it, it was certainly uh, quite a party. <laughs> I've seen the YouTube videos. They uh, they they know how to have some fun in the middle of the country is all we're going to say. You guys earned it, so congrats. So with that out of the way, Jeff, and again, congrats all the Chiefs fans. You guys, as a longtime Bengals sufferer, I, I'm honored that someone else finally, besides New England, something like that, a nice good good city in the middle of the country can celebrate a victory. So you've earned it. So Jeff, this week in the LPL Market Signals podcast, we're going to focus on three things. This week's weekly market commentary, which we'll kick off first, and we titled it Global Gets Going. The idea, potentially after 10 years, that international stocks maybe, finally, could it be a chance, uh, can start to do a little bit better, maybe even outperform the U.S. Also, a coronavirus update. And lastly, we had some good news on the economic front last week. I'm going to take a look at some positive jobs, jobs numbers, some solid productivity numbers, and then the ISM numbers on manufacturing and services. All paint a pretty good picture. But, Jeff, I'll turn it over to you here in just about one second. You know, we had a um, the best week for the S&P 500 in about eight months last week. Big bounce. Um, you know, the positive news we'll get into. But the thing we want to focus on right now, though, again, is this week's weekly market commentary, which you can find on LPL.com. Jeff, you wrote it along with John. We are seeing some positive signs maybe on the international front. Why don't you? I know there's four things you want to probably focus on. Why don't you take it away for a little bit and tell us what you found? Sure, Ryan. Thanks. So, you know, international equities, we're really talking about Europe and Japan, right. have been cheap right on, on earnings. Uh, we're talking about price earnings ratios relative to the United States for quite some time. So that's not really new news, right? But over the past, call it, um, you know, six to 12 months, 
the discount for international stocks has gotten bigger. So valuations are, uh, are pretty attractive. So that has our attention. So what, are we, what else are we looking at? Well, when you have something that's really cheap, you know, now the next thing you want is uh, improving fundamentals. Now, growth in Europe and Japan has been sluggish. In fact, in Europe, growth has been cut in half, uh, essentially from a 2% growth economy to one. So, you know, people might think, well, that doesn't sound like anything too exciting to uh, invest in. You know, when you get growth of 2% in the U.S., you complain, right? That's not very fast. We're talking about 1% in Europe and Japan. So why would an investor be interested in that? Well, the reason is the trajectory has started to change, and we've seen evidence that global growth has stabilized. Now, the coronavirus has interrupted that narrative, right? You know, we're now seeing a hit to global growth. Uh, it's modest, but at this point, it's still uh, a hit. Uh, China GDP first quarter probably going to be cut in half at least. So we're talking about 6% to 3 and could be worse, as I think, Ryan, you put in the in the notes uh, for the podcast today. So could could be worse. We know how big China's economy is. You know, that's going to have some effect on the rest of the world. You know, we've sort of delayed this story, but, you know, as we've talked about over the past couple of weeks, historically, when you get these big outbreaks, and this one certainly seems worse than what we've seen in the last few decades. But when you do get outbreaks like this, you tend to see the economy bounce back within a few months. So hopefully, and we'll talk more about this, uh, Ryan, when we get further into the call, but hopefully the outbreak peaks in the next couple of weeks, and then the economic impact of this peaks. You know, folks are starting to get back to work in China, not not in uh, you know the source of the of the outbreak, Wuhan province area. You know the impact is significant in China, but to date it has not had much impact on the rest of the world. So I think that's probably the most important uh, point here. You know this has been largely contained from an economic perspective, and we still think within a few months we can get this lost output back here um, uh, in terms of the uh, the impact on the, the global economy. Right. You know, one of the stats that you have in this week's weekly commentary I thought was really powerful, the latest leading economic, or I'm sorry, it's the leading indicators index from the OECD, that's the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development, that looks at the entire world. That number rose three consecutive months. Uh, and you have to go back a long time, about a year and a half ago and lower. So we're finally seeing some positive signs, you know, on the global front on the economic data. Now, like you said, the huge caveat here is, is the uh, coronavirus going to kind of put a damper on some of the improvement uh, that we're seeing? And we clearly don't know that yet. But, you know, they also did upgrade the outlook for the key economy of Germany. I mean, Germany is such an important part because they were kind of in the middle, honestly. The U.S.-China trade discussions, um, trade war, whatever you want to call it, they were kind of caught in that. The global slowdown we were seeing, the slowdown in Europe we were seeing. Germany is such an important point, in my opinion, of the whole global economy and to see them upgraded with some better numbers, hey, that's uh, some positive steps in the right direction as well, Jeff. Now, what I also thought was interesting, you point, we've talked a lot about growth and value and how growth has continued to outperform value for a long time, much like for 10 years the U.S. has outperformed uh, really the rest of the globe. You point out, Jeff, that you know Europe is potentially more like a value trade, value investment. Kind of why is that, and do we think you know, could that, that's another reason maybe things could turn around soon? Tell us a little bit about that one. Yeah, I mean, the, the easiest way to answer that question is to say that the technology sector weighting in the international indexes is about two-thirds lower than the weighting in the U.S., right? We can include, right. you know, Internet stocks, tech stocks, all of that. Um, they just don't have that much exposure to that in Europe. There's more in Japan, but 
Europe uh, doesn't have much. So when growth stocks in the U.S. lead, not just the U.S. market, but lead global markets, it's very difficult for European stocks uh, to keep up in particular. So that's really what we mean by that. So if we start to see growth stocks leadership wane in the coming months, that could provide a better environment for, for European and Japanese investments. Ah, good, good, interesting. Good point there. And a final thing out of the four reasons to consider potentially going more global, as we discussed in this week's weekly market commentary, was the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar, we see some reasons for it to go lower yet. So far this year, the U.S. dollar has gained, what would you say, Jeff, about 2% and kind of broke out to multi-month highs here. So a higher dollar tends to be more of a headwind for relative international and one of the arguments I read over the weekend, dollar was strong, just because of so much of the global uncertainty that we're seeing. People kind of go to the safety net of the U.S. dollar and potentially even U.S. stocks relative to others. So if we get uh, some good news on coronavirus and the, and the global economy, maybe that's another uh, reason. But, Jeff, I mean, the U.S. dollar, I'll tell you, I've been wrong with the way I've viewed the U.S. dollar, I think, for a while. I mean, it keeps going stronger. Tell me why it potentially could start to weaken here. Yeah, well, one reason is the U.S. trade deficit and, to a lesser extent, the budget deficit, mm-hmm. right? So yep. if uh, the rest of the world starts to take more dollars because our deficit gets bigger, uh, then uh, that tends to be uh, dollar negative. Uh, I would say that's probably more of a long-term trend, though, than short-term. In right. short-term, we just need to get out of this whole safe haven, uh, right, global investors' flight to safety kind of trade. You know, if that happens, that could certainly be dollar negative. We've also had, you know, I mean, the U.S., it ties back to the point we just made about growth stocks. If everybody's buying U.S. growth stocks, tech stocks, internet stocks, Tesla, all that, then it just is hard for the dollar to go uh, much lower. I mean, one of the strongest periods ever for the U.S. dollar was during the tech bubble in 99-2000. Interesting. So this is this environment is very, very different. The dollar is nowhere near where it was back then. But when the globe is chasing U.S. investments, that can tend to be dollar positive, too. And something else I think we've been seeing here, um, you know, probably in, in not just recent months, but last couple of years. Really interesting. You know, I've, I've been with LPL Research for four years now, and I joke that the top two questions I think I've, we receive probably from our LPL advisors are, about marijuana stocks and about Bitcoin. Now, we are not really allowed to talk about either of those. The number third question, though, is when is it finally going to be time to dip your toe into international? Because at, at LPL, you know, we've been underweight international uh, relative to some of our peers and other strategists, and it's been it's really worked out well, you know, obviously for several years. Now, just the fact that we're really talking about maybe making a change here, and again, the reasons are uh, ex- international stocks are cheap. We're seeing stabilization, global growth. Uh, potentially growth leadership start to wane, and the U.S. dollar maybe potentially can take a pause. All of those, or any of those, if all four of those start to hit, my goodness gracious, international should do well. But, Jeff, we can't, we've talked a lot about um, you know Europe here. What about emerging markets? Because as we've laid out, we've liked emerging markets, and obviously they haven't done so well uh, just recently with the big pullback. But what about EM here for, for investors thinking the rest of 2020? Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's where uh, the coronavirus has the most impact, obviously, with with China, and China's a huge component of the EM indexes. So um, it's been a struggle, mm-hmm. uh, as you would expect. But, you know, the economic growth picture there has been better, virus aside, certainly in recent years. And we think the outlook is still better in emerging markets than in developed markets. And they have some advantages, you know, demographics, younger workforce, you know, the middle class, expanding middle class and all of that. It's not just China. It's, it's certainly... Um, 
you know, more and more people being brought out of poverty in other Asian nations. India is one of the strongest, biggest economies in the emerging world, and it's doing quite well, certainly a very good outlook. So there's really, there's a lot to like uh, over there. We've also got a an improving earnings picture. Like emerging exactly. markets probably going to see uh, more earnings growth in 2020 than developed markets, including the U.S. Now, there's more uncertainty in these types of markets. There's more economic and corporate volatility, right, in, in some of these places. But the opportunity, we think, pretty strong for um, uh, for earnings over the next, call it, 12 to 18 months. That all combined with the fact that the markets are very cheap over there, uh, we think um, bodes well, and uh, we, we continue to like uh, investing in those markets. Yeah, you know, one thing, that, two, two points for me on what you just said struck some, some memories here. You know, if you look at all the people under the age of 30 in the world, 90% of them live in an emerging market. I mean, you want to talk about potential. There's your potential. Also, from a technical point of view, emerging markets relative to the United States or really, I guess the S&P 500 just made a 17-year low uh, just last week. So that's a long trend that we've seen on a relative basis on emerging markets and developed markets to look fairly similar too. So from a technical point of view, extremely oversold, uh, really, you know, relative to U.S., but still we'd want to see some firming up um, from a technical point of view. But there are definitely some really interesting uh, points of view that Jeff and John put together in this week's weekly commentary, so please check that out on LPL.com. Now, Jeff, I mentioned this joke. John and I did a few jokes last week, and it was kind of a big hit, and I mentioned this one the other day on one of our morning calls. Hopefully most people didn't hear it, but I'm going to do a joke about a technician. So, again, remember, those are people who look at charts and a fundamental guy, so good people look at the, you know, the earnings and balance sheets. They're at a bar hanging out, and there's a knife on the table, and the technician accidentally drops a knife off the table, and it lands like two inches from the foot of the fundamentalist, the fundamental guy. And the fundamental guy goes to the technician and goes, man, why didn't you try to catch that? It almost cut my foot off. The technician goes, well, you know us technicians. We never try to catch a falling knife. <laughs> it's a little joke. And then the uh, technician goes to the fundamental guy. He's like, why didn't, why didn't you try to move your foot or at least try to stop it? It was going right at your foot. The fundamental guy goes, well, according to my calculations, it was never supposed to go that low. <laughs> There you go. Hopefully, I, I did that joke actually last week in front of some people, and it didn't get the reaction. I think you got to be a little bit of a geek in our world, but that's that's a classic one. It's a funny one. So, so we there we go. Definitely have some geeks in our audience here for sure. Well, yes, uh, and, uh, cool so geeks. Maybe. For the sake of the enjoyment of all our listeners, I'll I'll take the hit there, even there, though I'm a fundamental guy. There, there you and, go. Uh, let let you get away with that one. There you go. So that's a good one. So Jeff, I'm looking at the clock. We're having so much fun here. We probably we've got two more things to talk about here. Uh, kind of a coronavirus update, and we kind of you hinted at a lot of this already. I mean, our, our friends at J.P. Morgan actually have GDP in the first quarter um, at China at 1%, and ISI, a very respected shop, actually is looking for flat 0% first quarter GDP. So you mentioned 3% maybe. Hey, nobody truly knows, but when you're shutting down literally you know, the, the largest, second largest economy in the world at 17% of the GDP versus 4% of GDP in 2003, the impact is going to be extreme. Now, also something else, I didn't, I didn't know this until this weekend reading, during the SARS um, 
outbreak in 2003, the U.S. economy actually got a little bit stronger. Now, again, this is apples to oranges. The U.S. China is such a larger economy. But still, U.S. economy, as we're going to focus on here in a few minutes, continues to be um, rather strong. And the most recent numbers, as of, I guess, have been this morning, uh, tragically, 910 people have died and forty or almost 50,000 people have been infected. And there is a report in Bloomberg that 500,000 total people in the Wuhan province uh, will eventually probably be um, impacted or affected by um, this uh, this outbreak. So that's just amazing. But um, again, it's extremely fast moving. But the the uh, fatality rate is um, you know not as not as high as some of these other epidemics that we've seen and pandemics that we've seen. So that's potentially one reason the markets bounce. I mean, Jeff, any other closing comments on the outbreak before we uh, focus on the fundamentals in the economy? I think we just Move turn on. to the fundamentals. There we uh, go. I think we captured the, uh, yeah. the essence here. It's just so fluid, it changes every day. Yeah, exactly. So, you yes. know, the 3% forecast I saw was probably from Thursday. <laughs> now, <laughs> exactly. you know, prospects for businesses to remain closed mm-hmm. uh, in the affected areas uh, could uh, cause the economic impact to uh, accelerate here over the next week. So right. we'll just a lot of uncertainty. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see, but clearly uh, the markets are really looking past it. Yep, exactly. So, stocks are up again this morning. Yeah, exactly. And why are stocks looking past it? Well, the economy in the U.S. at least continues to be quite strong. Jeff, the jobs number, uh, this would be January's jobs number, came in at 225,000, well above the expectations of approximately 100 to 60, 165,000 jobs. I believe you called it a Goldilocks report. Jeff, what does that mean and why did you call it Goldilocks? Yeah, because it's not strong enough to spook the Fed. Wage growth in the report was pretty stable, you know, not so weak that you would worry about consumer spending. Exactly. Right. We want solid consumer spending, and you need wages to spend, uh, but we don't want too much inflation. Wages are the biggest piece of inflation that can spook the Fed. It was really uh, middle ground. Now, some people are saying that this was, you know, distorted by weather, this report. Right. Is it? construction jobs spiked because it was warm and dry in January in the you know upper Midwest and, and, and the Northeast. You know, that's fine. You could even adjust for that, and you're still looking at 200,000 jobs created in January, which is a very, very strong number, especially for this stage of the economic cycle. No, exactly. You mentioned the Fed. I just want to point out Jerome Powell had his two-year anniversary back on February 5th, two years at the helm of the Fed. Um, it's unique because I said people have bad first days on the job, and if you remember back to that particular day, and maybe people don't, but you might if you think hard enough, February 5th of 2018, the S&P or the Dow dropped over 4%. Now, obviously, there's a lot of trade discussions at that time, but still, that was the worst first day for any Fed chairperson in history out of 16 of them. And how's he doing his first two years? Well, the Dow was up 15% the past two years, from February 5th to the most recent February 5th. Greenspan, they saw the uh, Dow gain over 300%. Volcker saw it gain over 200%. So when people talk about how the market is, uh, you know, when the, yes, valuations are stretched, no doubt, but stocks are just up so much and it's like a big bubble. Hey, the last two years, the Dow's gained 15%. I mean, that's that doesn't sound as stretched maybe as most people might think. So, Jeff, the other thing, the ISM numbers, we have manufacturing and services. You want to talk talk about those for a second? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I really want to focus on the manufacturing number because that exactly. broke above 50. Yep. For the first time since July, that's the one that gets the most attention, is tied most uh, to profits, uh, although the services number in the mid-50s was very strong as well. Right. Uh, historically, when the ISM bounces above 50, uh, you tend to see good stock market performance from that point. So we did a little study in our blog, lprresearch.com, last week on that. Uh, you tend to see, on average, 5 6% gains over the next six months, and then even stronger 
you know, low to mid-teens over the next 12 months uh, in the S&P 500. So we think this bodes really well manufacturing stability, which we really haven't had in the U.S. Uh, you know, since last summer, uh, could really help. And it's consistent with the earnings outlook. What we're hearing from companies this earnings season has been quite positive, even more positive than I thought, um, especially given the, the outbreak. No, good good point there. I mean, earnings do drive long-term stock gains, and you know, people are what looking for maybe about a percent gain in the fourth quarter, which is several per- a couple percent more than what we were looking for. But I know we're going to focus on earnings probably a lot more next week um, as earnings season is wrapping up. The final thing, Jeff, the productivity number uh, that we saw last week, fourth quarter productivity, saw a pretty good jump in productivity relative to the third quarter, which again is a good thing after the slowdown that we saw. Um, now for the year over year. Uh, productivity actually had its best year since 2010. And productivity is a very key component that kind of potentially the long lasting of this 10 year economic cycle. So we're probably going to write about that in our weekly market commentary next week, or at the very least in a blog, but some increase in productivity uh, recently, which is a, a positive. So Jeff, those are the economic uh, front. I'll say one more thing. I hand it to you probably to say goodbye. Uh, we really appreciate the listeners. I think I saw we have over 50 um, ratings on iTunes and the, the great like 49 of those are five stars so thank you very much if you like this podcast and want to help us out please give us a five star rating as that helps more people listen to it we've hit over 150,000 listens as well since we've started doing this podcast so Jeff uh, say a few comments and I'll bring us home in a minute take it away I think I'll just close with continue to focus on the fundamentals of the market they look pretty good still to us there of course are global risks there always are global risks but when you look at the drivers of the economy and corporate profits with low interest rates and low inflation, it still looks like a pretty good time to invest. Absolutely. And don't forget, the S&P made two all-time highs just last week. So all the scariness that we had you know, a couple weeks ago, just as quickly, we're right back at all-time highs. So thank you, Jeff, for being here this week. Thank you to everyone who's listening to our podcast, LPO Market Signals. We really appreciate it. We will be back next week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.